Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 63 of the Washed Up Emo Podcast. So I tend to protect the word emo to a fault. Uh, a few months back, a site called Polygraph, run by Matt Daniels, released a data visualization of what punk bands were considered—so punk, post, screamo, etc.—based on Spotify playlists. The emo category consisted of mostly mid-2000s era stuff with some alt rock, like Evanescence, just way off. So here's how the story went: I tweeted at him angrily. He wrote back nicely. We talked on the phone, and then he actually came to my apartment in New York City to talk to me. So while you're listening, check out Polygraph's site, poly-graph.co, and as you might imagine, this was an insanely interesting conversation about data, and I promise you'll learn something about music and habits we all have now with access to everything in Matt was so generous with his time, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Episode 63, Matt Daniels from Polygraph. All right, welcome to the Watched Up Emo podcast. Welcome today from the apartment. Fantastic. We had Garrett recently here in the apartment. I have not killed anybody yet. Um, Matt, welcome. He uh, has Polygraph, an amazing, an amazing site um, with tons of data, and I think uh, it's worth chatting about. So, Matt, thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, I'd love for you to give a quick sort of synopsis about the site, sort of why you started it, and then let's get into the data, let's get into the meat. Yeah, so I've been doing uh, music-related projects for quite a while. They're always very interactive and visually driven. And last fall, I had a project with Spotify on the popularity of older music uh, today. So what is the most popular song on Spotify from the 50s or the 60s? And for that project, instead of publishing it on my personal blog, I decided to start this site, Polygraph, which would... Um, lend a little bit more credibility to the project itself, but also open the door for other people to collaborate with me in a lot easier way. So the whole point of the site is really for visual storytelling, which often has to do with data, but doesn't necessarily have to do with data. And uh, yeah, so it's been about four months in the making thus far. Crazy. And you've gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, so I just did a project (laughs) with uh, Billboard this month, and... um, it's my like third most popular thing I've done on the internet, so that was really great. <laughs> Maybe the second most. Today was a good day. SoundCloud tweeted it. Which was oh, nice. rad! Yeah, yeah. Again, like 
you think that's that would be cool it's more for my ego like you look at the traffic and you're like this is everything people want like a two million <laughs> follower account tweeted a thing and like it's barely registers maybe people don't use twitter and then you post it on facebook too and nothing really happens interesting so, yeah i think we overestimate how, how like um how, how much effect some of these like like uh huge accounts have on in terms of like traffic but either way um that did really well so this month has been really good and i'm excited for the next few and the projects i have in the pipeline and so the, where do those all come from is it just you wake up one day and you see something yeah. and you're like wow that would be kind of cool yeah yeah i mean even um i'll see something i'll see a site like a sneaker site that has data and i'll be like that's a cool thing someone should make like a story around very visual stories i mean there's plenty of people who have written about sneakers but this site in particular have been scraping data from ebay on like auction sales for sneakers so they know like like it's almost like a stock market they know wow. prices for like sneakers so that's the instance where like i just reached out to the site for data and then i'll figure out what the story is later like what's interesting about the story or the <laughs> the sneaker world um but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I have a pretty good litmus test for what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. And the litmus test usually revolves around, uh, would this do well within a certain community on Reddit? So for example, um, let's say I wanted to write a, a story about metal music. It would be, well, would the metal community within yeah. Reddit be psyched about this story? Like, would it reach the top of that particular um, subreddit. subreddit? So um, that's my, like barometer for for doing projects and then obviously intrinsic interests like can i spend a couple weeks or a month toiling away at this and not like lose lose interest do i have like intrinsic motivation to work on it interesting yeah. where did where did this start i mean did you know i don't know like you're like in high school and you're like wow numbers really come easily or this really comes easily what yeah what was the moment that you were like yeah wow, i got i think i get this <laughs> i mean i've always been like a very visual thinker i think a lot of people are actually default this way like people think in pictures and drawings or like sketch out ideas uh there's actually a great like uh quote from this guy brett victor who does a lot of like philosophy and thinking in the space that the greatest minds think in pictures um like Feynman diagrams are uh are like a thing a thing in science that was first understood in drawings and then written in prose for academia to actually communicate uh, but the idea is that like we think visually, but we we communicate with with words. So uh, I've always been a visual thinker, and I want to try to be a visual communicator also. And then where all this started was actually uh, I was playing ping pong at work with a friend. We were talking about the um, sh the word shorty, which is like a, a slang word in hip hop. And if you if you know your hip hop history, uh, shorty referred to like a child or a guy predominantly uh in the 90s and then slowly shifted to uh referring to a woman in like the 2000s um like there's a there's in the club by 50 cent starts with go shorty it's your birthday and they're not talking about a dude right so the question was then like well what happened like why was there this semantic shift in the definition of shorty so uh we went to well i went to rap genius which is a crowdsourced lyric site for hip hop, and then asked them to send me all of their data so that I could look into <laughs> why the, why there was a semantic shift in this word. So, so really, that was a um, my first like data driven project. Did they? And was it the? When was this for Rap Genius? This was uh, like 
late 2000. This was like 2013. This would oh, probably nice. have been like two or three years ago. Rad. Yeah. I um I uh, met with Rap Genius really early on when they were starting in like yeah. 09. Yeah, yeah. And they were super cool. And yeah. I remember like, you know, being like, this is a really cool idea. Um, like, you guys are going to go somewhere with this. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then to have them transfer to Genius and be yeah. able to kind of do a cross. It's, yeah. The and ring, then all the data they have. Yeah. They're working with Spotify now, which is cool. Yeah. This, yes. Yeah. Yeah. One of our artists I work with is a part of that. Um, yeah, the integration. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Well, interestingly, um, I don't know if this is public, but like a lot of those things are not like I, a lot of the crowdsourcing annotations like are not entirely accurate. Like they're people's guesses what yeah. these things mean. So, so it's unfortunate that like a lot of the stuff you see on Spotify is just like a history lesson rather than like the community's interpretation of these words which most artists leave open like they don't say that this is what they meant by yeah. this lyric this was this person and this yeah, was yeah, no. yeah. yeah it's like okay here's what here's what we think this means um and of course that's all subjective and your <laughs> spotify probably isn't like too keen on like having subjective interpretations of artists lyrics on their app but um genius itself is a really cool site yeah and it's surprising when i hear people not know about it because it's a great source for like nerding out on music yeah, and yeah. then uh, the, I mean the hip hop one. That's your sort of love. The one that I you know that I loved was you know looking at hip hop songs and where they were on the chart and what time yeah, period. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean it was. I sat there. I mean I think I like shut my door at my office and was like, <laughs> all right, well I'm going to start diving in. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know we we you know we talked about this where I was like I went to nine eleven and I was yeah. like what was going on then. Right, because right, right. I wasn't thinking about music when I was living here. I was thinking about other stuff. So what was on the radio? What what things changed? It's and, and you're able to look at that stuff now. Yeah, yeah. I picked hip hop when, when I went to Billboard with the idea. We went, we went with hip hop. Well, at least I wanted them to go with hip hop because I was confident the hip hop community would nerd out on this. I wasn't sure what would happen in other genres, so I plan on like expanding it to just the Hot 100. So that's cross genre and then country and like electronic music. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a very cool project. And, um, so definitely channeled from my own interest in hip hop, but really it was more of a hedging of risk in terms of investing the effort in and knowing like there would be a response, at least from the hip hop community, which is always like hip hop is dead. Yeah. It was always better before, um, which we can, well, obviously talk about with punk music, (laughs) Um, but I know that exists in hip hop. So that was what was behind that project really. That's really cool. Everyone should check that one out. Um, you can pause the podcast now and do it. Um, and go find it. Um, I just loved that it. it was like this, you know, real time. I mean, anything I clicked, you know, it would pop that up, and it would it just seem to keep you. Yeah, which I think is really hard today. Yeah, <laughs> to keep someone sitting somewhere yeah. doing something for longer than yeah. ten seconds. <laughs> the average time on site is the highest that I've ever had for. A that was my next question. Well, yeah. like that's that's great. Yeah, it was roughly like five minutes, but um, that's amazing. It's it like I've definitely had a lot of tweets that were like, I just spent an hour on this site. No hyperbole. I literally just spent an hour. <laughs> it's like a full tweet. I think that happened about a hundred times, which is hilarious. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I was shocked by the amount of time people spent on the site. Um, and yeah, like the, the impetus behind that was that you could listen to the data. So effectively, the songs play for as long as they're at number one. So if you were just to listen to the entire thing and watch it, you would have a, you would notice like a regional shifts in music. Um, so for example, if you were to do this for the Hot 100, you would see 
or, or let's stick with uh, hip hop for now. If you were to do this with hip hop, you would see it move from the East Coast to the West Coast to the South, South and all of the implications of what that means from a sound perspective and, and a thematic perspective. I loved jumping. Yeah. So I'd go like 92, 2002, and like yeah. it was just like this, yeah. such a weird, like I was like, wow, that is a ton more compression. <laughs> or like oh, whatever right, it was. Right. Like, like oh, the style of yeah. sound. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to do this with the Hot 100 data, um, where you're now you're going to see genre shifts and like culture gravitating towards um, hip hop and rock and even country. Like, yeah, country's big now. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to see like what genres pop and like what what is the zeitgeist of music at a particular point and hearing how long that lasts. So that would be like a really fun thing once I like plug in the data. Are you thinking about more of like a? Is it almost like you do it? you have your conclusions but then it's sort of like the song and the lyric you're letting everyone else sort of interpret it or are you trying to come to conclusions of yeah a little bit so um my hypothesis going back to like visually driven content is that uh i don't want to read a twenty thousand word analysis of a thing like there's that exists on the internet already um i think i think people like reading analysis uh they like reading data analysis they like they like reading long research papers potentially but I think people do want to play like data analysts themselves. Like they want to wear that hat. Um, and a lot of people, I think, traditionally believe no one wants to do that. They want someone else to do that work and then present them with the findings. Um, but I think people really do nerd out on data and they're willing to put in the effort. Um, there's this subreddit within Reddit. It sounds like you're familiar with Reddit. Yes. Um, called Data is Beautiful. Yes, great which, subreddit. Which is a great subreddit. Um, but if you look at the numbers on Data is Beautiful in terms of how many people are subscribed to that subreddit, it's like one of the top 50 subreddits on Reddit. So it's beating like film and like like uh, rubbing shoulders with the music community in terms of size. So if you were to tell me that like the data community on Reddit is as big as like the movie and film community, I'd like laugh at you, but that's absolutely the case. And then you also have to realize, I think that like Reddit is a good proxy for internet culture. If the... For example, um, the hip-hop community on Reddit is much larger and active than the music community, which is because people are more interested in genres than just all music. Yeah. So you could actually look at, like, punk and emo, and you, I think I think emo is probably bigger than punk right now. And again, like, the, the, the subscribers of these communities is a good proxy for how large that actual community exists in the world. Um, so data, going back to the earlier point, data is beautiful as a huge community. Um, so I think people underestimate how interested in data analysis people are. So to answer your question about finding insights, um, my whole thing is present the data in a visually compelling way so people can do the data analysis. Like I want people to see the audible and visual genre changes when I do this Hot 100 thing. Like I want them to see that there is a shift in the late 80s, mid, early 90s towards hip hop. And then maybe that went away towards more poppy versions of hip-hop. And then, like, electronic music mm -hmm. and dubstep and, like, Skrillex happened. Like, that needs to be very visually signaled so that people can draw those insights themselves rather than reading... 20 pages. 20 pages. And, With and, two diagrams. Yeah, and It's not yeah. going to be enough. Yeah. So I'm almost making, like, like, a data console for people to query. But one that doesn't sound as nerdy and boring as like what yeah. I just said. Or as daunting as Google Analytics or something. Yeah, yeah. Like people have been playing with um, a great example of this is uh, Google Ngrams, which is a, uh, a thing that you can query that basically says how often words are used in books. And it's specifically designed for 
looking at cultural trends using uh, frequency of words in books. So it's meant for very one one specific purpose, which is the opposite of Google Trends, which is like look at what the internet is searching for, but that can mean anything. So the books thing is actually much more compelling than the Google Trends thing. So uh, I try to make like things that are like Google engrams, like very specific use mm-hmm. cases of a data visualization for analysis. And niche, and you know that that niche is going to go into it. And yeah. Def- which is yeah. how we met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the punk project was based around the fact that there's so much subjectivity around genres. And that had a little bit different of an angle. Like I definitely wrote more prose on that one because... Um, I, I had a like a personal vendetta on the data, like I wanted to make a point. Um, but yeah, the, the impetus behind that was that I knew that there was a lot of, uh, genres were very divisive in terms of their definitions. And I felt like there was a way to explain that with data without writing like 20,000 words about it, which plenty of people have done. Uh, so yeah. That's that's how we met. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, if anyone hasn't seen this, there's this amazing sort of visualization of Spotify. If I'm saying this, correct me. So Spotify playlists and YouTube playlists, yeah, yeah, and what those bands were, yeah, and then which were I think I mean you think you said you took was it ten thousand playlists? Lots of playlists. Was, more than that. Was more. Um, there was more, there, oh, it was two thousand. Emo specific ones. Yeah, were put in, exactly. that's what it was. That was yeah, a thousand yeah. that I had. It was like tens of thousands of playlists across the thing. But the point, the question was like, today in 2015, what bands do we associate with emo? Obviously, this is going to be weighed based on popularity. But that aside, yes. like if we ran, if we walked up to like some random New Yorker and asked them, what is emo music? Like, I want to know who has the most check marks against their name from a band perspective. Um, and the, the, the reason for that is because the hypothesis was, was that people would be shocked by the answers and that some bands are basically uh, displacing others in terms of what, what we think their, their association of a certain genres are, and others have, have stayed the same. Um, but the problem is we can't just go up to 10,000 New Yorkers and ask them this. Um, and even if we did, most would struggle to even name one, yes. right? So... Uh, there's nowhere on the internet where people basically categorize bands with genres. They do kind of subconsciously do this when they set up playlists with the genre in its name. So I was like, okay, that's an interesting data set. What if we look at any playlist with the words punk in it or emo or um, uh, hardcore hardcore, um, or even like something more niche like grindcore? And then and then look at who are the most common artists on those playlists. And obviously that has like a popularity bias to it, but that's what precisely we're trying to understand is like, you say grindcore, what is the most common band that people put mm-hmm. in the playlist? And that just gives us a sense of how artists are categorized with genres. Um, and sometimes, and I felt like that would be an interesting thing to communicate to people, um, which helps underscore the divisiveness of what genres are defined by. I mean, it was exactly the, what was it, the top five are usually, you know, the, what we would expect. Yeah, yeah. And it was, yeah, like very... Fall Out Boy, Panic, My yeah. Chem, was Blink up there? Um, I, I don't even, there were, I did it for like 16 subgenres of punk, and um, so we'll have to go back to the data. Yeah, I think, but, I, uh, I, I'll, yeah. while you figure that out, I'll, I'll load it up <laughs> so we have it, but yeah, I think it was the... Um, I think it. I think it was. But anyway, the what what you would expect was, you know, at the top, which says to me, and you, when we talked earlier, I thought it was age that younger people were making the playlist. But this was this wasn't 
Yeah. That wasn't the case. I didn't have age data for everything, but I did have it for Blink-182. And the initial hypothesis was that old people call Blink-182 pop music, pop punk, mm-hmm. and young people call it punk punk. Um, but it ended up being basically, I didn't, I didn't report the data because it kind of threw off the narrative and it just ended up being too long. Um, but uh, regardless of age, the breakdown was the same. So just as many old people are placing Blink-182 in yep. generically punk playlists with no prefix to it, and there are just as many young people calling Blink-182 pop-punk. Um, so there doesn't seem to be the generational bias that I thought there would be. But that was just for Blink-182. It absolutely could change for emo, for example. But why, let's stay on Blink. Why is it is it the, is it the technology, or is it the, the streaming that whatever the age of the person and then... Or is it they got really big and transcended and your older brother told you about them? And then, like, was it MTV? Like, what was that impetus that you feel makes them punk? Like, why are people putting yeah. that and then across so many different things? Yeah, I mean, I think, okay, so one, people are like, well, one thing we have to consider is um, why is Blink-182 even number one? Because they're not even... A recent band, like they're for all intents and purposes an old band. Yes. Um, so if you're 15 years old, you ask, were told about them. Yeah, you were definitely told about them. Um, I don't know. I can't remember when their last album dropped, but it's absolutely more than like 10 years. Uh, so if you're if you're under 18, you have no idea. You did not grow up with Blink 182. No. Um, <laughs> which so so that's one thing is like okay, we're talking about an old band being the most associated with this genre. So we don't have like the the case with. Um, where was like uh, like metalcore, where like bring the horizon, bring was, me like, the horizon, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, which I didn't know about until I started this. That project. is unfortunate. Yeah. That is an unfortunate <laughs> thing that had to happen. Um, either way, so there's <laughs> that, and then okay, remind me one more time with the question. Like, so why wh- blink? Why blink? Because yeah. I mean, growing up, it was no effects that that was the punk band, and I. But right, again, right, right. what if this had come out in the 90s and yeah. we had all the, like, what yeah. could that have shifted? But we well, don't have the data. Well, it's, just, it's kind of the same thing. It's like in the mid-90s, late-90s, everyone was like, Blink-182 is not punk music. Um, it's some bastardized, watered-down version of what everyone was playing before, and it's pop-punk because they're mainstream. And you have probably have that same exact thing happening now. Like, if we find, like, a 21-year-old, they're going to be like, okay, Blink-182 is the no effects of their age. Yes. And then there's, like, Fall Out Boy or someone who's, like, the watered-down version of Blink-182. Or whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. And I'm sure, like, they're naive on several levels where, like, they maybe don't know the complete history. Or maybe they don't even care. Because yeah. for them, <laughs> Blink-182 is old. Yes. Just as old as everything else. Yes. Like, <laughs> I actually had this theory with the Timeless Project with Spotify is that if it's over 10 years old since you were born, like, it all kind of blends together. Um, like, like the difference between, uh, so I was born in 85, the difference between someone who was playing in the late 70s versus early 70s is, like, negligible. Like, it's yes. just old music. Um, so whether, like, I have certain attachment to late 70s versus early 70s is, like, meaningless. Whereas, like, if you grew up in those, in that time... You know every yeah, moment. Yeah, like, those are eons apart. Like, that's, like, like a different... Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like a different age of dinosaurs. Yeah. Right? Like, it has a different periodic period name. Um, so I think that's really interesting as well in, in like, why Blink-182. But, but honestly, it was because, I think, in its day, it was the most shitted on 
from a punk perspective. Like you've like they are not playing punk music. Punk music is not playing going into it's this other thing. So is that the goal then? Yeah. As a band, you need to get shit on for Maybe. you to have a career. <laughs> or, yeah, I mean, controversy is good. Yes. I mean, I remember watching, in research for this project, I watched a lot, a lot of documentaries, and plenty of it was talking about, like, Green Day in its day. Yeah. And how, like, uh, people were shitting on Green Day as being not punk music, and, and now, like, if you're young enough, like, that is... That is, that is the, the elder statesman. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, I pick on Blink-182 because there were the divisive band of that time, and you're right, like, maybe controversy is what is interesting from a genre perspective. Also, again, it's not. To, I don't think what happened is Blink-182 changed. Our understanding of punk music changed. Like, the, the, the center of gravity for what sound represents this, this um, container that we call punk is constantly shifting from a generational perspective. So if I talk to someone old enough, they're going to be like, well, that's absolutely not punk music because it doesn't sound like X, Y, and Z. Like, the chord progressions or the speed or this, the length of the song. Like, it breaks all the rules. And the whole point of the project was, like, there are no rules. We think there are rules, and they only exist in our head. <laughs> and, like, the ones that are saying, like, X is not genre-wise is just a curmudgeonly discussion, and we're not going to yes. ever get to an answer. <laughs> um, and I pick on punk music also was, uh, like, that's where there's a lot of divisiveness among lots of genres. In fact, I'd argue that metal music probably has more divisiveness but there's so much um, elitism in that genre. Like, I don't even want to touch it with a stick um, because I'm not well-versed enough to navigate the intricacies, the, the of, all intricacies of, of, like, talking about the subgenres of metal. Um, so punk yeah. and, obviously, emo, you know, yeah. I, you know I, I think there's a whole thing about... But I, I mean, fill my brain because, you know, I've been thinking this certain way, but, like, maybe think from it from your perspective, which is yeah. outside of it. Yeah. So this has always been happening, you know, the word itself. I just I'm I'm still grappling with it the word itself got super popular. Yeah. And then the internet hit yeah. at the same time, which was another sort of sped everything up. Yeah. Like it wasn't, you know, this it wasn't niche communities and there was this internet and it was quick and you could find out about things. It got super popular, super quick, poppy. And the word sort of emo was sort of pulled into, I mean, p- people think Bring Me the Horizon is. Yeah. And so for some reason where it was sort of, emo was put in this independent world and it was this sort of offshoot of hardcore, then was sort of taken, like punk, into all these other different bands. Yeah. But I felt the internet somehow sped <laughs> it up way fast and... yeah. Got really popular real quick. So I don't know where the question was in that, but that's yeah. my like, cur- like I get so confused of yeah. like, how did that fucking happen so yeah. quick? Yeah, I mean, I'm I was not around for like the like the mid '90s emo th- like wave. So, but that was where like most of my research was was spent. Like, okay, we have like the etymology of emo starting in the '80s. Yes, and then like the '90s. And there became, like, a ton of emotional baggage with the word. And, like, whether you were emo or not. And Even the band. 80s, too. Everyone Even fucking the 80s, hated it. Yeah. yeah. No one, like... That's another thing to, like... No one... Out. No, yeah. I've never found a band I've ever interviewed that says, <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. Like, everyone's like, I hate that you're inter- interviewing me right now. You know? Yeah. Like, they're not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, getting into the divisiveness of genres. Yes. Like, how can a band disagree with the label their audience is giving them? 
right? That's totally true. Um, but again, like, then you're back to, it's not that they're disagreeing, it's just like, they, the, the whole definition exists in everyone's heads, right? I'm so, just a rock band. Yeah, I'm a rock band, playing indie music, I don't know, right? That so, doesn't work well in the press release. Yeah, because we want we like like the band has their own vision of what they're playing, but then the whole purpose of genres are to talk about music because it's hard to say oh I like let's say I like hip hop like I like spoken word on beat with like snare drums and kick like you say hip hop to have like a discussion. So you need to do that forever now. Just say that whole like yeah you're meeting a girl or whatever and you're like yeah, hey yeah. I'm into you know yeah. So there's there's a purpose for genres. It's just that that we all are that we all have different ways. We all have different understandings of what that means based on how old we are and our worldview and where we grew up and all that type of stuff. So when I say I like punk music, I might have to preface that by saying also, oh, and I mean Blink One Eighty Two, or like, oh, I like emo music, and by that I mean like this this part of emo, not that part, because it's such a nuanced, subjective word and has such widely wide definitions do you feel that in this from your research that when you were looking at the 80s 90s and 2000s of emo did you see any difference with that specific genre than others about the divisiveness and also what sort of happened like yeah because i feel like there's if you go to if we did that 10,000 person thing and we went out in the street and said Mm-hmm. They're going to pick that six-year time period, 2002 right. to 2008. Right, right, right. And I feel like punk, someone's going to say the Ramones. Someone might say, uh, uh, you know, Circle Jerks. Yeah. Or someone might say Warzone. They've forgotten the earlier period, which we were it's, talking it, about earlier. So it's, it's forgotten. Has that, do you feel that, has that happened to other genres when you were researching yeah. it? I think emo was so especially interesting because even with punk music again we're talking about Green Day and Blink-182 which are old from all standards yes with emo we have Fall Out Boy heavily over indexing right and like Panic at the Disco and all those like again like early mid 2000s bands right um so so emo if anything was was had way much more of a bias towards recent bands uh and we can get into that in a second but in terms of like Bands that still hold on to their roots. Like, you saw a lot of that with, like, post-punk. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had some bands that uh, are still intertwined with the inception of the word itself. So I think if we um, if we go to the data here yeah, yeah. really quickly. Um, so for post-punk, we still had Joy Division, more or less. Like, we went to a random population of people. We said, what is post-punk? And they said, well, kind of like Joy Division. Which is great because they're an old band. They succeeded. They succeeded. The post-punk version of my podcast is yeah. probably not anymore because they succeeded. Yeah, yeah. Like they, <laughs> no one's disagreeing about what post-punk is. How? Why did that happen? I don't know. I wish I knew. Fuck. Too, well, we're done. Uh, no, yeah, just kidding. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but about thirty-four, so about a third of all punk. So if we look at all playlists that have the words post-punk in them. Joy Division appears on about a third of them, which is great because that means there's a lot of agreement when people create post-punk playlists that they more or less put Joy Division in them. Um, so that's that's really really important when you think about like how um, how much agreement there is in terms of what a band what bands are attached to a certain subgenre. 
Um, so that that is an interesting data point for me at least. And then like with hardcore, like it was a little bit more interesting because we didn't have any bands at like the thirty percent level, which makes sense because hardcore has a ton of so many connotations, so many connotations, and like a ton of what I would call like genreification, like regional, regional. And like subgenres of hardcore, and like we have to have no one can just say hardcore; they have to like add a bunch of suffixes or prefixes, right? So that makes sense that the most popular band on a hardcore playlist is um, Agnostic Front, and even then, it's at twelve percent. So, which I'm okay with. Which you're okay with, actually. But that number four is a day to remember, right? Which is a much more recent band, right? So, um, which is fine. Bad brains, we're good. Minor threats, suicidal tendencies. Yeah, but on one hand, I'm like, well. Yes, it's good that the word hardcore is still attached to its inception, like, in the 80s. other hand, like, it's also important for genres to expand. Like, it's good that emo maybe has more new bands associated with it, because that means maybe the genre's progressing. Um, but then there's a newer version of that from the 2010 onward yes, with the revival. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, Which hasn't, I think, there hasn't, and people could disagree and... Um, roll their eyes there hasn't been a song or a band yet to take it yeah like what bleed american did with jimmy world and the middle and sort of kind of blowing up that thing something hasn't happened like that again do i want it maybe i don't but i do want it for the band's sake but yeah do you need those moments yeah 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 i don't know um the point of this project also is not to define like these bands don't define the genre like looking at this data is not saying like hardcore is agnostic front the point of this is that this is what people are doing this is just like to illustrate the subjectivity of genres so the point was like okay we all in the mid 90s were like in late 90s blink 182 pop punk yep and the point of this project was well wait a minute not necessarily today punk punk so it's not to say that like this list is is definitive in terms of like how the world thinks about emo music because it's highly limited, right? This will be playlists. fun in ten years. Yeah, and it'll be fun in ten years. But it's it's again to point out like here's where the center of gravity is for a lot of these genres in terms of the connotations that they have with certain bands. And right now, when people think of emo, these are some of the bands that most often maybe come to mind um, based on this this again very limited mm-hmm. data set. So so. I guess to go back to your question, like why why aren't there more recent bands for emo? I guess is is where you're at. Maybe it's just because they're not popular, you know. Yeah. Like maybe there aren't any mainstream breakout success bands of the past few years. But I am so still... surprised that Jimmy Eat World isn't on here. Yeah, well, maybe they're farther down, which is fun because I added like a, a top ten list or a top hundred. Play along with the site <laughs> while you're with us, by yeah. the way, when you're listening. Oh yeah, they're they're at eight percent. Yeah, yeah, and again, like maybe they're just like. Not as uh, Imagine Dragons, The Fray, Skillet. Is that did, did they mean to write Skrillex or is that actually something? That must be a band. Adele. Uh, Adele, yeah. And and which might be the case. Again, like Papa people... Roach. I'm just listening so, so kind of see that yeah. there's there's good there's across the board, there's there's bands from all over the place. I mean I, I cannot believe the, you know, from three doors down, and yes, this is the specific subset, right, but it, it's right. just, it's so interesting that I'm not seeing, and maybe that's just the case. They weren't that popular. It was before a certain time. Yeah. And you're right about those 10-year things that this, you could have, you yeah. tell anybody, 
80s, 90s, they're going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, we could let's just take punk, for example. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was a very punk band that existed in the late 70s that no one listens to or cares about and have been like, are in the shadows of the, of the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, right? Um, that's that's kind of, I think, where your head is at right now. It's like, oh, there is the most emo band I can think of not on this list. What the what the hell? But it's not like they were unknown. They like Sunny Day like influenced. Right, right. They were right. like a huge. It wasn't like they just kind of came and went. Like they had MTV Airplay. They had right, a right. reunion tour. They played with those bands. They had a. They were they re, they're referenced in articles, but yeah. for some reason, yeah. Is it the sound? Is it how? I think it's just because it didn't have hooks and breakdowns <laughs> and. We're dumber, and we want something easier. Yeah. I, I think my we're hunch, not dumber. I'm just messing. Yeah, around. yeah. I think my hunch is is not necessarily. I think that's true. And uh, emo itself, like the genre, def, the, the the connotation of the genre, have very much been co opted. Yes. So if you think about like why is Adele on like emo playlist? Like who's putting Adele on emo playlist? So maybe like the way people think about the word emo has changed. Like it isn't this like sound but is more uh, a feeling so when people create their sad emo playlists which like, is interesting because of all the goth stuff yeah uh, the uk was a big you know this and other countries and and especially the us goth was like associated with it and you know suicide and depression and all those things were and it was a whole thing for couple years where that's what people thought it was so that but yeah. why did that stick around <laughs> damn it yeah it's like um save me matt for hip-hop it's like it's really intuitive for me like i like pitbull is probably the oh my god i bet yeah. you're you have so much yeah. pitbull pitbull is like very common on hip-hop playlists but like you're like well he's probably the farthest you can get from hip-hop today um when you think of like the actual roots and the influence of like certain bands and MCs and rappers, um, but again, like that's not what this 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 is trying to test. It's like when people make when people make hip hop playlists, when people try to categorize bands in certain genres, like you get a lot of Pitbull, for example, which is okay because he's really popular right now. And maybe to your point, like the the influencers the ones that uh, certainly had a role in creating the genre but maybe have fallen out of the limelight like they're not going to appear as often um, and again that's why that is why we have disagreements on genres it's because like things become more popular and like I'm sure in twenty years Pitbull will be like the the Biggie Smalls of hip hop for a certain generation I don't know and then I'm going to be an old person that's going to be like oh you kids with your Pitbull <laughs> You don't even know real hip-hop. <laughs> and then everything's come full circle. Everything's come full circle. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, uh, to sum up, do you have any hope that one day emo will be like post-punk and we'll have amazing playlists with Sunny Day Real Estate at the top? Oh, I don't know. Emo's such a weird word to begin with. Um, everyone hates it. Everyone hates it. And then, like, on one hand, like, to your point, maybe you have to be widely hated to be loved. Like, maybe it will return. Um, I don't know. It, it's a weird one. I think I think the fact that there's so many recent bands in the emo, like, list suggests that uh, things will change rapidly. Like, the bands that you were 
um, anticipating would be on the list from like the last three years, maybe we'll take those. Will they be there? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's funny that they're, and I actually wanted to ask you about this. Like they sort of skipped over a, a part of the history of that word. Mm-hmm. And went to an earlier. So the emo revival bands of the you know 2010 onward. Yes, some of them were punk. Yes, some of them went pop. But a lot jumped to the 90s and were yeah. obsessed with American football. Obsessed with you know Braid or you know Mineral. They were they kind of jumped. Has that happened? Do you feel from other genres or even hip hop? Did you feel that some people are like oh wow that other thing before? No way. I'm going to go back. And yeah. then there's like almost like a, a like a leap. Yeah, for this project, I only looked at punk, and I think that would be a cool thing to do with other genres. Like, what took a leap? Yeah, I don't know. That would be, like, really cool. Like, is hip-hop going to look back at... I mean, I was working uh, um, a lot of Southern uh, hip-hop when I was at a label, and Little John, and all that kind of stuff, and is it going to go back? Like, is there going to be a revert? Like, I don't know. Like, yes, everything's cyclical, and the 70s come back, the 80s come back, the 90s, but even more than a decade, the, the sub genre type yeah i i mean i think of it is is highly generational and again like we'll move forward it'll be it'll be the year 2030 or 2040 and we're gonna look back and And blink will still be there and blink will still be there or um these bands that we think uh are are insignificant will have taken the baton and will be like the the stake in the ground for how we think about this genre if I um, ever have Back to the Future, like, and I can get that book, I wouldn't get it for sports. Yeah. I would go to Billboard. I would look at all those. Oh, right, and like... right, right. Yeah. Like, what are people listening to? Yeah. What are people um, listening to? Yeah. I mean, this happened a lot with the Spotify project that, like, every generation thinks the previous, or every generation thinks the future generation doesn't understand the music and, like, doesn't respect the influencers. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I think this I, is the end of washed up emo. Yeah. So I'm done. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm going to give up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think, I think you're fighting a good fight in terms of like trying to, uh, shine the spotlight on bands that were consequential to like what happened in, in like the last 10 years for emo. Uh, so I, I was, I remember talking to you about like, well, what's, what's your, what, what do you get excited about? It's like, people remember these bands as being important and consequential which is great because part of nerding out on music is understanding the history the reason why we have a lot of disagreement on genres is because some people have gone further down the rabbit hole yes. in terms of knowing the things um, and it's so much easier yeah yeah the problem is that like not everyone goes down the rabbit hole so when someone's like oh i love pitbull you're like you kind of you know you grab you hold your face and you're like <laughs> oh this person doesn't even know anything um which is fine because again, like, hey, my friends over there, I'll talk to them. Yeah, like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> but in thirty years, like, not thirty years, but in fifty years, like, I'll I'll probably be dead, and like, I will not be able to share the history, and things will have moved on. Um, like, I I think I know rock and roll, but I mean that probably goes back to Chuck Berry, and then it stops. And I'm sure there was like, like, people before me that were like, well, you don't even know the roots of rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like Chuck Berry was actually like. Not even consequential. I don't know, right? But it's really interesting to see what thing, what gets taken as what, like a band or a time or a genre, and that continues. Yeah. Like, we, I always joke with people, like, what band am I going to see at the arena 
like everyone is seeing Pearl Jam or U2 or yeah. Bruce. Like, yeah, what is yeah. that band gonna be? Gonna be? Oh, that'd be really funny. Like, what are what? What? We always have those discussions. Yeah, like, yeah. what's the what's the emo version of Bruce Springsteen yeah. in twenty years? Well, that's like that's a catalog discussion as well. It's like who's gonna have who's gonna have a legacy essentially, um, which was another part of like the, the Spotify Timeless project was um, who whose music decays at a very low rate. So they're really popular, right? I, let's think of like the most popular band right now, um, like of like a like a like a one hit wonder. Not a one hit wonder. I'm just trying to think of like I'm doing a bunch of Grammys work now, right now. So. Coldplay. Coldplay. Okay, so let's take Coldplay because um, they're performing at the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Uh, so they come out. They're dropping an album. Actually, have they dropped an album? I think they did. They did. Okay, so they have a new album that came out. They have out, a new right? album. And the question then is like, it got really popular, and then what happened? Like, do people still listen to it? Like a year from now, is it as listened to it as it is now? And that's that's really what we're looking for when thinking about the legacy of artists. So for Fallout Boy, for example, like are they going to be a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things, or will they they be the Bruce Springsteen of evil? Oh, right? I just threw up, but okay. it's fine. I'm joking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what toes I'm stepping on. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's just a it's a yeah. it's a longstanding joke. Yeah, yeah. So the the data the data I think is interesting is basically daily plays of music and how quickly they decline so if you take a typical hit so um i don't know uh, foster the people foster the people or um i'm thinking of even like something more poppy like all about that bass by megan trainer who i'm just doing research on for unrelated project but like that is a hugely successful yes song. good that's a good that's a better example will it will it be popular in a year like will people nostalgically listen to that song <laughs> in 2017 <laughs> i don't know but my hunch is probably not, right? Like that's a that's a that's a type of song that gets really popular and then nobody listens to it anymore. Another example is like Get Lucky by Daft Punk. Yes. Super popular and then like we're all sick of it and never want to listen to it again. Sigh. Sigh. Um, another one is um, uh, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. Like we all had our dose of that and we're done. Like no one's gonna Everyone's fill an arena for Robin Thicke. No. Unfortunately. Sorry for all the Robin Thicke fans. Um <laughs> But a lot of listeners on this yeah. podcast. The but the opposite of that are like songs that stick around. So part of the Spotify project was like, okay, why are songs from the fifties still popular today? So one of those is um, "At Last" by Etta James, which was actually never popular in its day, but for some reason, over the course of time, due to like movies and covers and other random events, has stuck around popular culture. And has a legacy. Like, we would fill an arena for Etta James if yes. that were to happen, right? So that's that's interesting in the sense that sometimes the emo band that, that has the Bruce Springsteen arena, like, they might not be the most popular band. In fact, they might be, like, a very underground, indie, unknown band that for some reason stuck around popular culture and didn't just, like, flash in the pan, get really popular and die, but maybe grew their audience over time. And you have that often with, um, with we see that now with like bands from the eighties, like Don't Stop Believing from Journey. Like, actually, it wasn't that popular of a song, but it somehow got more popular over time for again many many reasons, right? So that's an interesting thing when thinking about the future popularity of emo and like who will fill an arena. It's not necessarily the most popular band. It maybe is somebody else. And f- f- figuring out those ingredients for why they de- they don't well, decline. We is, have two. We have two. They want to be hated. You got to be hated. hated. Right, right. And then you have to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Or other random things like die. 
um, like people ha- that have like mysteriously passed away earlier in their career, like that's an ingredient for somehow preserving your legacy. As weird as that is, With, I mean, work related. I can expense this now. Yeah. Jeff Buckley. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but what, where could he have still? Where yeah. would he have been if he was stuck around? But because yeah. he's not there and he can't say anything, right, right. The mystique and and then the other thing is like the opposite of that. Like people that stuck around, um, that that didn't die but kept releasing music. So, um, like I remember seeing a statistic, something like it's either Dave Matthews Band or Fish that are like the the highest grossing band from a concert perspective because they keep performing. Like, they've been touring forever. Yeah. And they have been preserving their legacy because they're just grinding, right? So that's another factor that is the complete opposite. It's like, they have managed to just... Stay. Stay. Every exactly. summer. Yeah. I'm going, to, I'm yeah. going up to, uh, you know, the, the shed. I'm going to watch Dave. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what you do. Yeah. And Dave wasn't necessarily, like, the most popular band from the 90s um, or earlier 2000s. I don't know when they stopped recording, but, like... They have managed to preserve the legacy so that today they are arguably one of the most popular bands from the nineties. Um, like and drugs and drugs, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's a cool thing to think about when when you lament like oh the emo bands like who are we going to think about in twenty forty? Like it might actually be someone who you really respect, but maybe maybe they're ahead be. of their time and they're not popular because they're creating something that or something happens where like well, yeah. maybe a movie movie or a yeah. sink or yeah. you find out about this time period you're like oh I had no idea yeah, and then yeah. it reinvigorates yeah. the other thing is like there's a lot of emotional baggage with emo right now the word itself so maybe in 30 years like people will like not care about emo like their connotations might actually be very nostalgic reminiscent rather than like the the hot topic connotations yeah. that I think uh, pervade right now. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I think um, I'm going to make you do more emo stuff. I'll <laughs> okay. pay for it. Yeah. Um, but I think the what what you're doing and how you're looking at this stuff and, and genre and and data. I'm just I'm fascinated and I think it's such an amazing thing to think about and discussions because you're right. We're already doing this anyway. Yeah. And it's fun to sort of not just from a personal thing, but now I can see. Yeah. This is what. This, you know, you took a subset or a group of data. Yeah. This is what things are happening. And then it's, it's, it's almost like I still got work to do, you know, yeah. for my case. Or someone's yeah. having another discussion. The, the whole point of these projects is to incite discussion, more intelligent discussions, I, I believe. Like, instead of just arguing, like, oh, Blink is pop punk or punk. Like, really, we're talking about semantics, right? <laughs> so true. Like, we're, we're, we're talking I'm guilty. About, we're talking about linguistics. <laughs> and, I, yeah, so, so you have this running joke. On your podcast, like, is this band emo? Like, and uh, yes, the website yeah. and everything has yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. the jokes. The, the question for me is like, and what I would want to have incited by a project is like, oh, this is actually like, we're talking about linguistics, not necessarily like your definition, Tom's definition of emo versus like someone's uh, uh, uninformed definition, right? Like, there's really a lot more going on in complexity going on in terms of like whether a band is emo or not. So that's what I try to get across on these Because it's projects. not just the sound, you know? There's yeah. all these different factors. It, again, like, it exists in our heads. Yes. Like, it will constantly change. Like, I'm fucking crazy, I know. Yeah, yeah. In 20 <laughs> years, you will, you, uh, your we'll answers might entirely change. True. Yeah. And that's what these projects try to do is, like, I think they incite discussions that we wouldn't otherwise have. So with rapper, the, I did a project on rapper's vocabularies as well. 
And the whole point there, again, was to stop, not stop, but like have a discussion around a data point that I think is really interesting because a lot of rappers do dumb down their lyrics to reach the mainstream. And that that's a discussion no one would have if the data wasn't there. And the data is not perfect. Like all the data is going to be flawed. But directionally, it's interesting enough to have an intelligent discussion about music that otherwise would, would never happen. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, that was it. Is there anything else you want to bring up, or um, that was it? yeah? So I have like lots of other music projects in the pipeline. Um, I'm Please always plug. looking for writers and developers, and um, even project managers to help out on stuff like this. And if you want to like jam on a, a collaborate, like absolutely email me. Um, I'm sure you can find the info. I will on, link everything on. Up. Yeah, Tom's Tom will find a way to send you the info. <laughs> Um, so thank you for having me. Awesome, thanks for doing this. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. Dude, so fucking rad. Thank you for listening again to the Washed Up Emo Podcast, episode 63. Matthew Daniels, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Once again, poly-graph.co to check out all the data visualization and genius that Matthew puts on the internet. If this is your first time or 63rd time listening to the podcast, thank you. Thank you so much. Check me out on the internet, washedupemo.com, backslash washedupemo, everything else. Leave a review on iTunes if you feel like it, good or bad. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years. Or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening and for this current episode you're about to hear. I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shuttle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also reprinted volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com